This conference marks the beginning of a line of ministry that will continue for the next several weeks, next few months, along the line of the kingdom of God. The first weekend in April will be the international training for the elders and responsible ones. And that entire training will be devoted to this subject, which will be the development of the kingdom in the Christian life and in the church life. For this particular starting point, we will address what we call the reality of the kingdom and then the manifestation of the kingdom. So these two words needs to, need to lodge in our thinking. Reality and manifestation. The reality is what we just sang when we delightfully repeated hymn 942. God's kingdom on the earth today, it's not outward. It is inward. It is a realm of life in our inner being. And in the midst of the increasing lawlessness and chaos of the world outwardly, the Lord wants to develop this kingdom inwardly. Then in the timing of God, this age will end. The present age, the age of the church. Matthew speaks of the consummation of the age. That refers to the last three and a half years of the church age. That will be the time of the greatest tribulation the earth has ever seen. Then the Lord Jesus will return, not with all believers, but with those who have lived in the reality of the kingdom now. They will be his bride, his bridal army, then his co-kings reigning on earth for a thousand years. Matthew 13.43, the first part, says, The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. That is manifestation. Right now, we're not visibly shining as the sun. If you go into Starbucks and order something and say, By the way... I'm a glorified, transfigured son of God, you would get a series of various reactions, but no one would take you seriously. I don't know if there will be Starbucks during the kingdom age, but the co-kings will be shining. Now, to ensure that we all have the same point of reference. 
I want to establish some basic truth concerning the kingdom as we will present it this weekend. Okay, the kingdom of God. There are two main aspects to this. And both are valid and both are necessary. First, the kingdom of God is God's ruling over his creation and over everything that is taking place in the universe, especially on the earth. So this matches the human understanding of a kingdom. You have a sovereign, a ruler, a queen, an emperor, a czar, a person with authority, then there is some territory, some land over which this sovereign rules. But that would mean nothing if there were no human beings there. So there has to be a large number of people living in a territory ruled by this king. These three elements constitute a kingdom objectively understood. Well, we expand this to the kingdom of God. The ruler is God himself. The territory is the universe with the focus on earth. And all the inhabitants are the human beings, the angels that obey the Lord, and even the rebellious ones and the demons, they are all the subjects in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God began with God's creation. And it will last eternally. It will go through stages. You'll see in outline one, we use a somewhat different term. We refer to the kingdom of the heavens. And if we understand, if we study the Bible thoroughly and receive the help from those who really are enlightened and have the function to present the apostles' teaching to us, we will see that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the heavens are not synonymous. Arizona is part of the United States. But the United States and Arizona are not identical. Arizona is part of the United States. The kingdom of the heavens is a section of the kingdom of God which is in two stages. When the Lord came, he began to establish the kingdom of the heavens. And when the church was produced, that was the beginning of the kingdom of the heavens on the earth. And with this kingdom of the heavens now, there is the reality which the Lord needs to be developing within us, 
but there is an also an outward appearance. And the outward appearance is what is described in the parables in Matthew 13. And then the Lord speaking to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. That is the outward development of what began as the church of God and that became systematized, organized Christianity as a system. That is the appearance. When the Lord comes, there will be a very drastic change on the earth. Human government will be eliminated. No more constant reports on who's running next for the 2020 election. I wish there was a law that said no one could be nominated, no one could present herself or himself as a candidate until July 4th of the year of the election. No one can talk about it until then. Then maybe we could somehow get through the whole thing. But no, it's going to go on and on. But good news, it's all going to be terminated and replaced by the kingdom on the earth. The Lord Jesus himself will reign in Jerusalem and all of his co-kings will be dispersed throughout the earth. That will be a thousand years. The devil will be in the abyss. The creation will be restored. Human life will be vastly extended. There will be tremendous power of healing. The demons will be cast out. And there will be no more money. You can leave home without your American Express card. How, how we will live, it's not revealed. We don't know. We can't explain it. But now we turn to a, another aspect of the kingdom of God. It's really another kind of kingdom. And this will be our emphasis because our emphasis will be on the reality. If there's no reality, there's nothing to manifest. If a believer saved, say, when he or she was 18 and lived to be 88, but never grew, never developed spiritually. That is an empty Christian, just saved. No development of Christ within that person. There is no reality of the kingdom. There's nothing to manifest. But those who are willing to hear and learn and receive the truth of the kingdom from the word and then begin to seek the Lord on how the reality of the kingdom may develop within them as they're living their ordinary human life, they, and they'll be mainly ordinary people, not the religious giants on TV. Not the Robert Schulers who built a crystal cathedral 
the whole thing went financially down. That was purchased by the Catholic Church. There won't be Benny Hens slaying people in the spirit. There'll just be so many ordinary believers like you and me that saw the light and learned to live in the reality of the kingdom. They will share in the manifestation. When the Lord is manifested in glory, they will be manifested in glory. So this is the second aspect, is the kingdom as a realm of life. And in our human conversation, we use this kind of term applied to plants. We can say the plant kingdom. Well, what do we mean? We don't mean that there is a a gigantic cactus or sequoia tree that dominates every other plant and rules over them. The plant kingdom is the plant life in its totality. That's the plant kingdom. The only way you can be part of the plant kingdom is to be a plant. Then there's the animal kingdom. The same principle. There's not some animal, hippopotamus, giraffe, lion, tiger, who knows what, dominating all the others. No, the animal kingdom is the totality of the plant life. The animal life and all that it does. The same applies to the human kingdom. Now we're taking a step. The kingdom of God, as revealed in the Bible, is not only objective. The universe, the earth, the living beings on the earth. It is a realm of life. But only God has this life. It's the kingdom of God. Plant, to be in the plant kingdom, you have to have to be a plant. Same with animal kingdom, human kingdom. To be in the kingdom of God as a realm of life, You need to be a recipient of the life of God, the eternal life. And this is made clear in John chapter 3, which puts together regeneration, eternal life, and the kingdom of God. We are born of the Spirit, so we can see the kingdom. We are born of water and of the Spirit. We can enter the kingdom. We believe into the only begotten Son of God. We receive eternal life. That's the life of the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is a realm of life. And it's the realm of life that is the inner reality of the kingdom. We will see sometime tomorrow, Lord willing, how the Lord in his ministry began to establish 
the kingdom in the lives of people. One reason that the Jews rejected him to the uttermost, even Mark, the Lord, Lord himself in Mark says that he would be treated, Jesus would be treated as nothing because their concept of the Messiah was a political military leader who will overthrow the Roman Empire and reestablish the kingdom of Israel physically on the earth. This is what they were expecting. And they had a ground to expect it because it's prophesied. But more is prophesied concerning Christ than that. You read Isaiah 53. He's not coming with outward power politically or militarily. He is like a lamb led to the slaughter. He will be hanged on a cross between two thieves. Bear our sins in his body. Well, the Lord came to be this kind of Messiah that didn't match their concept. So they could not and would not receive him. But he began, nevertheless, his ministry on bringing forth the reality of the kingdom. And we'll develop this tomorrow. He did it by sowing seed. He compares himself to a sower and he's not picking up one little seed and delicately dropping it here. He is sowing freely. And the seed would land in different places. But the real target was an honest human heart. Not yet. It's not possible for it to be a pure human heart, but it can be honest. Honest before God. Honest with God. And then the seed lodges in that kind of heart. It doesn't stay there dormant. It germinates and it expands inwardly into a kingdom inside of a human being spreading from your spirit and you have one, a human spirit, in case this is news. Then it goes into your heart, the composition of your soul, mind, emotion, and will, and your conscience. The increase of this kingdom seed is the development of the kingdom of God within us. This is what is on the Lord's heart. He cannot come back until his prophecy in Matthew 16, 18 has been fulfilled sufficiently. That prophecy is, I will build my church. 
And the church he is building is the universal church designated by Paul as the body of Christ. So the goal in the church age is to build up the church as the organic body of Christ. The prophecy is, I will build my church. But, the Lord's coming back for someone else. He will come back in two stages. After the tribulation, He will shine like the sun and come visibly, manifestly, Everyone will see Him. No one will be able to argue. No one can argue with a light brighter than the sun. Saul of Tarsus wanted to murder us. He was breathing murder. But when this light came, there's no argument. When the Lord comes as the blazing light of the sun, there'll be no more atheists. There may be rebellious believers that will need to be subdued by the co-kings. That is the Lord's visible coming. About three and a half years before, He will come secretly to rapture, to take to Himself the victorious believers, those who are living in the reality of the kingdom. And corporately, They are all one person called the bride. The Lord is coming for the bride. He cannot come and He will not come until she has made herself ready. So I've used different terms. Kingdom, church, body, Bride, they're all referring to the same reality, the same corporate reality, the oneness of the believers in and with the triune God to be the church. So we're looking in this conference not primarily at the aspect of the body of Christ, And not primarily at the Bride of Christ. I gave a conference in Boston on the preparation of the Bride in different stages. But now we're on the Kingdom. So we need to focus on the inward reality of the Kingdom. When the Lord was using Samuel the prophet to bring in the age of the kingdom in the Old Testament. He instructed him to replace Saul with a man after his own heart. Saul lost the kingdom because of his rebellion and because he wanted to build up an empire for himself. He was what the people wanted, so God allowed them to have it. But His will was 
to have someone after his own heart who will represent him as the king. So the Lord sent Samuel to a certain family that had many sons. And the father began to bring them out with the oldest. I think his name was Eliab. And Samuel was so impressed with his appearance, with his stature, with his demeanor. And he's saying to himself, he has to be the one. What a man. And the Lord disagrees and said something that's a governing thought. He said, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. So we need to choose, even as Christians, will we care for outward appearance? That's mainly to receive appreciation from others, glory from others. If we want to be really blunt, and I know what I'm talking about because my history was there, many preach to glorify themselves and to receive almost worship. There needs to be a people who will learn to live out the Lord's teaching in Matthew 6. He says, if you're going to fast, don't distort your face and act like, oh, you're suffering. I haven't had a Big Mac. I haven't had any pizza. Oh, I'm just suffering. But look, I'm suffering for God's sake. No, do it in in secret and then present yourself as if You're not fasting. You're having good meals every day. God looks on the reality. Or when you pray, don't make a big show so that people will realize, wow, that person's spiritual. Pray in secret. And he doesn't say when you're going to make an offering, You don't draw attention to it. You know, in some religious buildings, they have plaques with names of people who gave a large amount of money. I've seen many of them. I've never been in a church building that had a plaque for a widow who gave two dollars. But the Lord, you know, people gave out of their abundance The widow gave the last she had. The point here is, the Lord is trying to teach us. The Father sees in secret. You need to learn how to have a secret life of reality before God. Don't talk about it. Don't make a display about it. Don't be bothered if people misunderstand things. The Lord was called Beelzebub. And this is what he said concerning us. He said, if they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more those of his household? 
One brother, some time ago, uh, a, a co-worker, he was concerned about some of the things that are said about some of us online. He went and searched. I don't care to do that. And he just realized, wow, I really need to, we need to pray to cover the brothers. I told him, it doesn't matter to me. They called my Lord Beelzebub. They can use a, fa- a f- false name. They're in the darkness. God knows the words they wrote. They'll give an account of every word they put online. Read Matthew 12. I'm not interested in their approval, their praise, their glory, their appreciation. I don't want their offerings. I don't want their money. I'm not a hired speaker. We want to learn to live in this reality. And we can learn together, but nothing can replace your personal inward life with the Lord. Nothing can replace it. And so in this matter, we should all just begin where we are. We may need to repent about certain things, but regret is mainly a waste of emotional energy. I'd like to refer to a verse again that has been a great comfort to believers throughout the ages. I believe it will be a comfort to a good number here tonight. From Joel. In the first chapter, the Lord likens the nations that were attacking Israel to locusts. We just devoured everything. Then later, the prophet says, the Lord is speaking through the prophet, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Years. How God can do this, I don't know. But don't let the enemy cheat you and discourage you by lying to you, saying, it's too late. It's too late. You're starting too late. No, it's too late for him. It's not too late for us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conference. I would just stay home and lament over my situation and our situation. Now, one other matter, and then we'll go through the outline. Uh, if you're new to listening to a message like this, you might have expected that it's coming to an end, but actually, we're just getting going. <laughs> the average length will be about 70 minutes. So I'm fond of saying this. And I really mean it. That's why I repeat it. Okay, it's a Friday night. It's been a hard week for many. And then you, the labor to get here. You may just take a little nap in the meeting. Just enjoy your holy nap. (laughs) I will not be bothered. Why do I say that? For two reasons. One is, I've done it when someone else is speaking. And I have done it when I was speaking. 
I actually, at least I was, was teaching a high school class. I wasn't giving a message, but the principle is the same. And so if I can fall asleep on me, I'm not going to throw a stone at you if you fall asleep. When you wake up, just try to tune in and pick up where we are. Or ask someone next to you to fill in the gap. Okay? Because I realize this is a Friday night and there's a good number here. Okay, one other matter. The, the kingdom as a realm of life, well, actually two matters. The kingdom as a realm of life, there's only one way to enter. That's by birth. Human beings enter the human kingdom by birth. You don't get a visa, right? You don't get a passport. Uh, you, you don't become a legal immigrant. It's by birth. The only way to enter the kingdom of God as a realm of life is by being born again. Now, when I experienced that, no one showed the connection between believing into Christ, having eternal life, being born of God, and the kingdom. But now it's clear. So we have entered the kingdom by being born of water and the Spirit. The water signifying baptism, which is a testimony. We terminate everything from the past. We're born of the Spirit to have the same life that God has, the same nature that God has, but only He has the Godhead. My daughter and sons have my life and nature, but not my fatherhood. We have been born of God. He really is our Father. When we say our Father, that's not a religious title. It's like saying Daddy. Daddy, Father, we have a life relationship with God. He is our Father. Do you have any idea who your mother is? The New Jerusalem is our mother. Yes. Okay. So we enter the kingdom of God by birth. Then... There should be the growth in life, just as every parent expects the infant to be a little child, to be a preteen, to be a teenager, to be a young adult. What could be more normal than that? And it's just as normal for us to grow to spiritual maturity right here and right now. And the more we do, the more we enter into the kingdom. But one other matter is this. There are two verses in Revelation which tell us something quite amazing if we would think about it. The first is Revelation 1.6. But I want to read verse 5 because it introduces Christ to us. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, 
through Him who loves us and has released us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom. He made us a kingdom. It's one thing to enter the kingdom, but here He says, He made us a kingdom. Then this thought is repeated in chapter 5, verse 10. But I want to read verse 9 to give the context. And they sing a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have purchased for God by your blood men out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This is the universality of God. No respecter of persons, of races, of nationalities, of cultures, of complexions. With his blood, he purchased human beings from all over the earth and has made them a kingdom. Well, I don't fully understand this. I'm seeking the Lord about this. This is quite fresh with me. How did he make us a kingdom? I think I pointed out with some clarity that the kingdom of God as a realm of life has only God, God's life. And God is the only one who has his life He's the only one in the kingdom. But our way in is to be born of God, to receive the divine life, and thereby enter into the kingdom. So the life by which we enter the kingdom also makes us the kingdom. All the plants, they're not just in the plant kingdom. They are it. Then one other thing. In Luke 17, some religious people asked the Lord concerning the kingdom, when it will come, when it will be manifested. And this is what he said. He said the kingdom of God is not, cannot be observed. It will not be visible. Then he said this, the kingdom of God is among you. Well, who was among them? The Lord himself. I know it's hard for our mind to take this initially. He is saying, I am the kingdom, I myself. So in order to become the kingdom, we have to have the life of God And we have to have the person of Christ who is the kingdom living in us. And we all have this. Now what we want to see, starting with going through this outline, which we'll cover in about 25 or 30 minutes, then it'll be open for you to complete the message. I really mean it. I'm a member of the body, not the whole body. Only the body can... do the full speaking. So I hope a few dozen 
would give brief words. That would be excellent. Then the message will be complete. So now we come to this. Living under God's rule and doing the Father's will to enter into the kingdom of the heavens. So here we're talking about the kingdom of the heavens and we're talking about entering the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens when the Lord returns. One, the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens will be the manifestation of the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. The inward content of the kingdom of the heavens in its heavenly and spiritually, spiritual nature. So we have been born of God. We now have another life in addition to our created human life, the divine life. Paul even says in Romans 8.10, your spirit is life, zoe. Your spirit is life, not only alive. The divine life is in your spirit. You exercise your spirit to say hi. The word hi can minister life to the one you're greeting. We do have this life. And we do have Christ himself, who is now in our spirit, seeking to make his home in our heart. So this is the reality of this heavenly kingdom. And when the Lord came in, into us, he brought a heavenly atmosphere. When we're all in the spirit together, in a meeting for a period of time, the atmosphere changes. You just sense we're in another realm. We're physically in this place. We're still in our physical body. We're in another realm. That's a foretaste of this realm. But the manifestation of the kingdom is based on this reality. And the Lord knows, the Father knows, where all of us are. In my consecutive reading, I was reading on the plane some chapters from Amos. And Amos said to the people, don't you realize God knows your thoughts? God knows all the time what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what's going on in me. So I've, I've been, I'm in the process of learning something. And that is, just come to the Lord as we are. Don't wait for a mood change. Don't wait and punish yourself for two days because you had that failure. Don't wait until you feel his presence. Just come as you are. His blood has opened the way. We still treasure that gospel hymn, Just as I am, I come. Just come as you are. The Lord knows what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you did, what you said, where you were online, where you went. He knows. 
He didn't send an angel to terminate you. He's not raging with anger at you. He wants you to come to him so he can minister to you and cherish you and nourish you and supply you. Yes, he'll enlighten you and say, your attitude toward your wife was really wrong. And what confession is, is to say the same thing. Lord, my attitude toward my wife was wrong. My reaction was too quick. Then the next step is to go to her and say, Dear, please forgive me. My, I reacted too quick in myself. And we forgive one another. And then we have this wonderful verse in Luke 7. He who is forgiven much, loves much. So let the Lord forgive you. Let him forgive you for anything, for everything. It's those who think, I don't need to be forgiven, like that religious man in Luke 7. This woman comes in. You know what kind of reputation she had. She came in uninvited, sits at the Lord's feet, is weeping is washing his feet with her tears, wiping her, his feet with her hair, anointing them. And oh, the, the religious one is criticizing the Lord. Doesn't he know what kind of woman this is? Well, he made it very clear. She's a woman who loves much because she's forgiven much. You, Simon, don't love because you don't recognize the need to be forgiven. Just this basic matter, my brothers and sisters, to touch the forgiving heart of our Father God for everything, for anything. You have not committed the unpardonable sin. You have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit in calling the Holy Spirit Demonic. Those who fear they did this, their fear is a sign you haven't done it. There is nothing that any of us has done that cannot be forgiven and cleared up before we meet the Lord. Then we love Him more. Then we have the faith to know we can come to Him and just open our being and let Him Dispense himself into us. Let him be our joy. He wants to be joy to us, life to us, peace to us. All of these things he wants to be. He's a father. We're his children. Consider your heart for your children. You want the best for them. You want them to surpass you, right? To surpass you. This is our father who sees in secret. So, don't try to hide. It's so cute when real little children hide. They think they're hiding when they do this. (laughs) Daddy, I'm hiding. Well, don't come to the Lord and say, I'm hiding. Just come to Him through the blood of Jesus and let Him continue working in you, just where you are. You have time. You have time. I assure you, 
We have the time we need between now and his coming. So I'll be ready. The subpoints: The reality of the kingdom of the heavens is an exercise to the seeking believers. An exercise means spiritual activity. If you're just passive, nothing happens. God doesn't move when we're passive. We need to turn our heart to the Lord. And learn how to call on Him and exercise our spirit. Those who live in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens today will be manifested with Christ to be the kings in the millennium. The principle is so clear. But some, they they know, they're preachers themselves, theologians themselves, they know Matthew 6, but they still care for the appreciation of other people. The Lord will say, you have your reward. That's what you wanted. That's why you, after you give your sermon, you go to the front door and shake hands with everybody and expect them to tell you how wonderful the message is. I have an exercise when people try to express some appreciation. It's rarely outward, but it's always inward. It's my protection. You try to say something that you appreciate, even you you mean it because you were helped. Inwardly, I divert your word to say, praise the Lord. Glory be to God. He's the source. Thank Him. Praise Him. Tell Him. It was a good word you spoke. We want the reality. At at this coming back, the Lord Jesus will transfer the reality of the kingdom into the next age. To become the manifestation of the kingdom. There's the verse in Matthew 13, 43. The shining. The shining. And the Lord rules by shining. Okay, the second point. The kingdom of the heavens is the heavenly ruling, the heavenly government of the Lord Jesus. Well, now we're talking about Weighty stuff, ruling, government. We may may have concepts. But the Lord does not govern us the way authoritarian people control others. According to Colossians 1.13, we have been transferred into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. And here in this realm, we are ruled by love, light, and life. This is how he rules. He's not there with an iron rod ready to give you a blow as soon as you do this. That's the satanic kingdom. That's the abuse of authority, real or so-called. That is not the way the kingdom rules. It's a seed that rules by growing. It's a life that rules by giving you a sense. You're losing your peace. That's an indicator. 
you're about to make a mistake. Thank you, Lord. You come back, peace returns. That's an indicator. I'm ruling you by peace. His name is the Prince of Peace. That's how he rules. We shouldn't be afraid of that. This is a wonderful step in our life with the Lord. A, the Christ who entered into our spirit through regeneration is the king with the kingdom. Whoa, what would happen if every one of us realized this tonight? Whoa, what kind of spontaneous prayers we would have even on the way home. There's a king in me. There's a kingdom in me. But what kind of king? Well, the Lord said at the end of Mark 10, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve. I'm in you as a kingdom to serve you. And Brother Nee points out, even in the future, in the kingdom, this will happen in, in Luke 12. The Lord talks about those who are in the kingdom at the feast, the feast of the kingdom of the overcomers. Then he says, the Son of Man will come, that is, he himself, and gird himself and serve all of you. You might think, well, this is the kingdom. He's the king. Yeah, he's reigning over the whole earth. But with us, he's our husband. He's our husband. He's our provider. He's our life. He's our joy. He's our everything. He says, look, this is a reward to you. You entered my joy. Don't you remember, Peter? Don't you remember? You had to earn a living. You don't know where, when I would appear again. You said, I'm going fishing. I'm an expert fisherman. Six others said, we're going with you. And for some reason, you didn't catch any fish. wonder why you didn't catch any fish. And then early in the morning, I appeared, though you didn't recognize who I was. I asked, are they biting? Are you getting anything? Of course, he, I kept them all away. The fish are over there. Throw your net over there. Then John says, it's the Lord. He's the man of insight. Peter's a man of action. He dives into the water to get to him. And he brings 300 plus fish. And the Lord doesn't use them. He says, come have breakfast. Fish and bread. He serves them breakfast. Okay. Please don't send me a text or an email asking, where did the Lord get the fish? What kind of fish? How did he prepare them? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, if he did it then, he's well able to do it. This is the kind of king. He's a servant king, a savior king, a bridegroom king. You're in the kingdom of the son of his love. See, God's intention in regenerating us is to bring us under his heavenly rule. That's right. But he rules inwardly by life flowing. One brother prayed before the meeting that we would drink of the throne river. Revelation 22. The throne of God and of the Lamb. The river flows. Well, wherever the river flows, it brings the throne. So right now the river is flowing. If you let it flow in you, it will quench your thirst, refresh your whole being. The tree of life will be there. 
The light of life will be shining. And there will be the throne in the most pleasant way. That's how he rules. By life flowing. By light shining. By love permeating us. We are in the kingdom of the Son of God's love. One and two. We have been born into a royal heavenly family. I wonder whether Prince Charles will ever be king of England. His mother's 90 plus, his father's 97. I don't think she's going to retire. And maybe Charles would say, son, you go ahead, be the king. I've got my Camilla. I'll just go off to some retreat place. Well, we're born into a much higher royal family than that. Eventually, in the new heaven and the new earth, after the age of the kingdom, all of us will be kings and priests for eternity. We were just born into it. Two, if we are under this ruling, we will be victorious and overcoming. That's my daily life. When I'm under the rule... I'm victorious. I'm I'm overcoming. When I don't honor this rule and I'm there, it'll be one failure after another. That's the source. But if I let the river flow and the light shine and the love permeate and I'm under his rule, then spontaneously we're victorious. It's so simple. We will be in the, okay, if we are under this ruling, we will be victorious in overcoming. We will be in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. And we will enter into the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens to rule and reign with the Lord. It may be helpful for some of us to pray, to ask the Lord. Lord, the brother's talking again and again about the inner reality of the kingdom. Will you please show me what this is? And he will. He will show it what this is in you. In you. He will. Just ask him. Brothers, in this matter, let's learn from the sisters. You know, if, if they're driving with men, it's, it, there are exceptions. But somehow it's a defeat for us to admit we're lost and ask for directions. You know, a female companion saying, ask for directions. To me, that's humiliating. I know where I'm going. No, I don't know. I don't know where I am. I don't know where I've been. And I don't know where I'm going. But trust me, no. <laughs> or, we, or, or it's hard to say, I'm going to ask the question, I don't know, brother. You ask me the question, I don't know. But it seems to me that the dear sisters, they're not afraid to ask for directions And if they say, I don't know, I don't know that, what is that? Will you tell me? Well, let's not rob ourselves by assuming we know what it is. Why don't we doubt ourselves a little bit and just say, Lord, what is this? Make the reality of the kingdom real in me. Give me a little taste. He will. Then you touch it yourself. 
We have to learn it from others, but eventually it has to become real to us. And the spirit of reality will guide us into reality. Lord, make this real in me. This matter of being ruled by life inwardly, show me what this is in me. Let me touch it. Let me know the difference. And you will. And you're not going to be rapture ready the next day. I'm not rapture ready yet. But you will be able to discern the difference. And so eventually, no matter what your history has been in your married life, I don't live in the past, but I just share something I learned. I just can't argue. I just can't argue. My, my wife now, we've never had an argument. I believe we never will have an argument. Lord, cover me. Our inner being, you just doesn't let you. You can't. What's the point? I'm not afraid of losing a case to a woman. I admit I'm wrong. You're right. I'm not going to argue. And then change the rules if I sense you're winning. Then I change the rules of engagement. No, it's because it's not worth it to, to have a relationship damaged, to lose the Lord's peace, to lose his joy because you are arguing. People argue only when they're right. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, I'm wrong, man. You want to fight about it? Huh? I'm wrong. You're telling me I'm not wrong? Come on. Oh, but if we can get out of that realm, I don't want to be right. I want to be under the Lord's sweet rule. How precious. Then Joseph learns this. Joseph in the Old Testament, he represents the reigning aspect of a mature life, of Jacob's life. Joseph represents the reigning aspect of a mature life. Joseph's life was controlled and directed by his dreams, that is, by the heavenly visions. Joseph denied himself and lived under God's restriction, realizing that everything that happened to him was according to God's sovereignty. Okay, he has such authority in Egypt. Pharaoh delegated it to him. And his brothers came looking for food. He recognized them. They didn't recognize him. He could have said, I've been waiting for this hour. Oh, first you wanted to kill me. That was your first plan. At least one of you said, let's just sell him into slavery. And you did that. But you told my father, I don't know. Now I'm going to get even. No such thing. He had been trained. This is the test. How will you handle the authority? But neither was he governed by natural affection. When they came in, he didn't start crying. He said, I'm Joseph, I'm Joseph. Boo-hoo, and he's crying. Forget everything. Everything is fine. Everything's hunky-dory now. No. He didn't reveal himself. He disciplined them. He trained them. Because he had come to rule over his own inner being. Don't think he didn't pass through quite a process. 
He needed to be in Potiphar's house. He needed to be in prison for a period of time and for the Lord to work on his being inwardly so he can be trusted with the authority outwardly. How many people in certain countries just exploit the countries before they leave and leave the country to become billionaires? No exploitation, no abuse of authority, no lack of control over his feelings. But the feelings were there. One of the most beautiful scenes in the whole Old Testament is when father and son are united. He's human. We weep. We rejoice. Others suffer. We weep with them. They're honored. We rejoice with them. But not in a natural way. One, I just came back, my wife and I from Brazil, helping the dear saints who lived under a dreadful authoritarian oppression for decades. For decades. They need to see but as a genuine representation of the Lord's King with His tenderness, His purity, His humanity, His humility, His love, His compassion. This is the way He rules. Now the last section in about five minutes. In order to enter into the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens in the coming age, We must do the will of the Father in this age. Matthew 7.21 This refers to the judgment of the believers at the judgment seat of Christ. These are all believers. It's wrong to say they are false believers. No, they are believers. The Lord said, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of the heavens but he who does the will of my Father who is in the heavens. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, we did miracles in your name, prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name. The Lord will say, I don't recognize you. Workers of lawlessness. I let you do it. This was not the Father's will. You can say, oh, I had this TV program. Went out all over the earth, streaming all over the earth. I slew people. I healed people. I did this and that. Depart from me, worker of lawlessness. That wasn't the Father's will. That's what you wanted. You got the glory. You got the money. You've got the bodyguards. You've got a garages full of Mercedes. You've got a yacht. You've got a mansion. But this one, this man from China, named Watchman, he spent his last 20 years in prison, suffering day and night. A nobody compared to you in the world. Look at him. Look at you. Quite a difference. He did the Father's will. This is exceedingly crucial now. 
Not to do what God will permit, but to do what God ordains for you. To settle it. From this point on, your will be done in every aspect of my life. And the Lord is the person who lived this way. So the King is the person who lived this way. And He will live this way again in us. And if we let Him live, He will make us the same as He is. Because God's will, time and time again, is going to cut across so many of your concepts, of your feelings. But He's God. He's God. And the Lord taught us to pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in the United States as it is in heaven. Your will be done in the White House as it is in heaven. Your will be done in the Supreme Court. Your will be done in the Senate, in the House of Representatives. Your will be done on earth. Whatever the will is in heaven, we agree with it and pray for it to be done. God is a God of purpose, having a will of His own pleasure. And He created all things for His will that He might fulfill His purpose. Revelation 4.11, the one verse that tells us why every positive thing exists, including you and me and the desert in Arizona. And my Arizona is the Arizona in February and March. I don't have an Arizona in July and August. (laughs) But God created both Arizonas. God's will is His heart's desire. His mingling with man. And the fulfillment of His eternal plan. His will is His heart's desire. He wants you to care for that. His will is to mingle Himself with you. He wants to do that. His will is to fulfill His plan that includes you in every stage of your life. The will of God is to obtain a body for Christ to be His fullness for His expression. The kingdom is absolutely a matter of God's will and completely fulfills God's will. In fact, the kingdom is God's will. One definition of the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is a realm where God's will is done. That's the kingdom. See, as the kingdom people, we are on earth to do the Father's will. The Lord's mother, his four brothers and his sisters were there. Why they were there, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to get the Lord to but that thought to be what they thought was reasonable. And he said, who is my mother and brother and sister? He sees beyond the natural relationship. He who does the will of my father. He's my brother and sister and mother. What an honor for the Lord to, when you meet him, to say, hi, brother. You were my brother, not only by birth, that's the life side. You were my brother because you joined me 
in doing the will of our Father. We labor together to do the will of our Father. D, in order to do the will of the Father, we need to enter in through the narrow gate and walk on the constricted way. This is consecration and then a life constricted by the divine life within us. The narrow gate excludes the old man, the self, the flesh, the human concepts, and the world with all its glory. Only that which corresponds to God's will can enter in. By the Lord's mercy, in June of 1966, two years after I graduated from Princeton Theological Seminary, two years of being in the wilderness according to God's leading, two years of reconsidering everything, including the call to be a minister, I made a decision. I am leaving Christianity entirely. I'm leaving the whole system. The Lord has no way to get through there. The clergy lady system is wrong. There's no openness to the spirit. The Lord is leading me to go to California. I don't know why. That's the Father's will. So I ended up in California and met the Lord's recovery and the minister of the age. This is God's will. And during those two years, he gave me a prayer. It originated with him. I will not accept your permissive will. I will not accept it. I will not just miss your perfect will. I claim, I insist actually, on your perfect will. I didn't know what it was. Then I came into the church and realized it's Christ and the church. The will of God. I would rather be an usher, serve in children's meeting, count the offering, clean the restrooms in the church life, then have a big universal TV ministry with all kinds of following. I don't want to be a Joel Osteen. My heart goes out to him. What is ahead of him will not be pleasant. It's just so good to be a brother a member of the body. If we walk in the constricted way, we are restricted by a mysterious, invisible, inward control. And we live under this control. It's invisible. I really, really like the mother of all ice creams, Jamoka Amin Fudge. And I have a helper who helps me, but I also have a king who says, you want this much, but I'll give you this much. <laughs> and if you're not following the inner sense in me, I assure you, you will follow the inner sense in her. So, it's mysterious, it's invisible, and it's inward, but it's so real. We need to pray for the Father's will to be done on earth as in the heavens. This is to bring the kingdom of the heavens to the earth.